So even when I'm working now, I'm usually doing 12, 13, 14 hours, seven day stretches. I've even done up to 12 day stretches of 12 hour shifts. I'm still working a ton of hours on the week I work, but then I know the week after I'm not working. And so possibly even two weeks, possibly after. even yeah. two weeks after it just depends on what's going on in the rest of our life or what we decide to do with our time. But that's what it is, is that you have that that break. Well, when I was at a stationary place, one week would just kind of trail into the next. It just seemed to never end. So even if you left when I was at a stationary position, even when you left for vacation, if you didn't keep up on your inbox, because I mean, they're patients, they're people, there are people who need things when you're gone. And so even if you weren't keeping up on your inbox while you were gone, you would come back to maybe 25, 30 messages. Hey, this is Heath Padgett, and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 160. The RV Entrepreneur is a weekly podcast for nomadic entrepreneurs. Today's episode is with Kenny and Sabrina from Moving Forward Adventures. Before hitting the road last year, Kenny was the owner of a vending machine business and Sabrina was a doctor. And as a new doctor, she was working crazy, crazy hours and barely had any time to spend with Kenny. So she decided to quit her full-time job and become what's called a locum tenens doctor, which is kind of like a substitute teacher, but as a doctor, or at least the way I understand it. Hospitals all over the country are always in need of physicians. So they hire locum tenens doctors to come in and help out when they're short-staffed. She started getting calls from hospitals all over the country wanting her to come in and help, But jumping on a ton of flights and spending time away from home was tough. So they decided, like so many of the other people we've heard on this podcast, to buy an RV and spend time traveling in between jobs so they could spend more time together. And that's something that I love as one of the central themes of this podcast has been, hey, we don't like how we're spending our time. We don't like that we're away from each other. Maybe we don't like what we're doing. And using the RV as kind of this vehicle to go out there and travel, spend more time together, closer to the things that we enjoy, maybe like national parks or hiking or whatever, and still continue doing what we're passionate about, doing our careers, providing for our families and things like that. So in this episode, we dig into how Kenny and Sabrina transitioned their life into an RV and have been balancing travel with also being a medical professional on the road. We also talk about what Kenny learned during the process of selling his vending machine business and what he's up to now with Moving Forward Adventures on YouTube. We also talk about what Kenny learned during the process of selling his vending machine business and what he's up to now with Moving Forward Adventures on YouTube and his Beyond the Wheel podcast. Support for today's episode is provided by the Stories from the Road podcast. One of my favorite parts of RVing is sitting with other people and sharing the stories, the good, the bad, and the hilarious. The Stories from the Road podcast talks to RVers from all walks of life about what led them to the RV lifestyle, the things they like, the things they don't like, and where they see themselves going in the future. The conversations are heartfelt and funny, and if you're any kind of RVer yourself, and you probably are since you listen to this podcast, you'll identify with a lot of what you hear. That's Stories from the Road, and it's available on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Play Store, and everywhere else that you listen to podcasts. All right, let's get into today's episode with Kenny and Sabrina. Kenny and Sabrina, thanks for being on the podcast, guys. Hey, thanks for having thanks us here. I'm super us. excited. <laughs> so you guys are currently traveling around the country in your Winnebago Vista, and Kenny, you're hosting Behind the Wheel podcast, writing for Winnebago, lots of other projects that you guys are doing as well and documenting it on YouTube. And Sabrina, you're bouncing around taking short-term doctor gigs. Is that the right yeah. word? How do you call yeah, it? Yeah. What do you, doctor gigs? Locum tenens is what I do. Locum tenens. Okay, we're going to get into that. Um, so this is what y'all's life currently looks like right now, kind of being on call at different 
uh, hospitals across the country. But take me back to what life looked like for you guys before you guys hit the road. So it probably looked like very typical of everybody else. Uh, I owned a small business, a small vending company. I had about 40 locations in the city that we were living in. Sabrina was working at her hospital full time. She was doing about 70 to 80 hours a week. Depends on the week. Depends on 60 was pretty average, but it could go up to 80 some weeks. And uh, me running a small business, I was all by myself. I had one guy that worked for me uh, part time, but I was on call constantly, like 24 hours a day. We need some Doritos. Yeah, it would be, you know, it could be as simple as that. It could be, uh, you know, a, a machine's not taking a dollar. It's stealing people's money. It's not giving change back. I think uh, a lot of people think when they think of any machine company that they're like, oh, I'm going to make it real easy buck because the machine's going to do all the work. I'm going to just sit at home, go around and just collect the money. But they don't realize that there's inventory to think about. There's uh, you're, you're on call 24 hours a day with it, really. If you have especially like I had uh, locations that ran 24 hours a day and that's why. I say I was on call 24 hours a day. I think people have that preconceived notion about so many different businesses. It's like, you know, I'm going to yeah. start, I'm going to start a campground or I'm going to start a software company. It's going to be super passive. And then you realize that there's really very few, if no businesses that are actually truly passive. I have, I have to ask, did you have any, like any crazy vending machine stories of like anybody getting their arms stuck up in there, like trying to get something <laughs> that would be funny no. though. No, luckily, no. You know, just stories about theft. I mean, people definitely have put their arms in the machine. I went to a a location one time and I thought I always thought I was very careful about where I was putting my machines. And uh, this was in a a white collar. It was actually in a uh, a doctor's break room, like a office building break room. And I went into restock machines and the first row of every candy chip and everything on the bottom was missing. Someone had worked their arm up and was able to grab each, you know, each item off the bottom of the, of the row. So, so that's how you and Sabrina met. I mean, she does have pretty long arms. So. <laughs> that would, that would be an interesting way to meet too, I guess, right. that she was stealing candy out of my machine. <laughs> so, so you, so you're, you have your business. Sabrina sounds like is working insane hours and Sabrina, what's your specialty again? It's pulmonary critical care. So patients with lung problems and ICU patients is what I take care of. Gotcha. And when, when did this whole idea of wanting to live on the road come about? Like, how did that conversation evolve for you guys? So I would say, uh, originally we were thinking that we needed to just kind of downsize our, our lives. We were living in a two bedroom apartment, about 1300 square foot. And, uh, the only time we felt like that we were actually spending time together was on vacation. So we thought, well, if we could downsize our living expenses, we could afford to do more travel trips. So we were like, well, we'll just downsize, get into a one bedroom apartment, you know, cut our costs, put that money and funding into traveling. And then we could do, you know, spend more time together that way. And then, you know, we found YouTube and found, you know, uh, less junk, more journey on there and the Russo's living in motorhomes and traveling. And we were like, well, if we could downsize enough to get into a one bedroom apartment, could maybe we could downsize enough to get into like a a 40 foot RV or something like that. I mean, how much different could it be than living in an apartment? <laughs> and uh, that that's how, you know, I think YouTube kind of got us thinking that way. We're like, all right, well, downsize, save the money, 
put it into the RV as our, and now it's like serving as a dual purpose. It's cutting our costs and we'll use the RV for our travel trips. But we weren't really thinking that we would continue to travel around because I still had my business and Sabrina was still working. I was under contract. You were on, yeah, she was actually under contract. She had a three-year contract with the hospital, so she couldn't go anywhere anyway. Anyway, but we were just thinking we'd use it for weekend trips and vacation. Gotcha. So you guys weren't really thinking like we're going to move into an RV full time. Not no, 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 not really. No, because you had your stationary business. I mean, you had a like a vending machine is can't get much more stationary and needing <laughs> to be there than that. And yeah. Sabrina, like, ha- had you met other doctors who kind of done do did what you're doing now? No, actually, I hadn't, especially not in an RV. I mean, most hospitals across the country use locum tenens to fill in for doctors that are out either maternity leave or vacation or if they're just short. And I had met a few in passing in other specialties, but I hadn't met anybody in the specialty that I did, especially not at our hospital, because we had a group of 11 people in our group. So we really didn't need other people to help our group to fill in spots. So I hadn't really come across anybody that had done this. So I had heard about it. I knew it existed, but there was a lot of stigma associated with it. So I had never really looked into it seriously before this. What kind of stigma was associated with it? So one of the things I heard was that either most people that do it either have like personality problems, their fear of commitment. They just those type of things was what was what I heard. And then I heard like people just do it for the money. There were just all sorts of things that even the chief at the place I worked had said, you know, when he gets resumes from people who do this and have been to a lot of places, he gets concerned. It's kind of a red flag. He gets concerned about kind of what's wrong with the person, why they would do something like this. Oh, interesting. Well, can you explain locum locum tenens? I I don't know if I'm saying it right, but is that like a, is that the company? Is that the style of, is it like saying a substitute teacher? It's just a kind of doctor, like a local locum, (laughs) locum tenens doctor? (laughs) But, yeah, no problem. So locum tenens is basically, it really means to take the place of another. So it's just that you're filling in in a position for someone who is out. And so really there's not that many. So about 90% of hospitals across the country use them in one specialty or another just because there's a shortage of doctors. And I would say a lot of the big cities you go to, you don't feel that shortage. But when you get to some of the more rural places or smaller cities, that's where more of the shortages are. So it's usually places that I would say people don't want to go, but it's not always like that. It could just be some transitions in the department and maybe people left. Our dog is playing with her squeaker toy. Um, (laughs) Some transitions in the department and maybe people left. It's very distracting. Sorry. So that can be um, part of it. So basically what happens is I'm considered an independent contractor. So I work under 1099s or what I get at the end of the year. And I have recruiting companies that I work with. So I work with several of them. Some people choose to only work with one. And what the recruiting companies do is they contract with the hospitals and contract with us. So they're kind of the middlemen. So they have the jobs. They come to me and they basically say, hey, I have this job here. This is how many patients you're going to see. This is the type of patients you're going to see. This is the area. This is the location. This is the closest airport. This is how much they're going to pay you. Is this something you're interested in doing? Gotcha. No, that makes sense. Yeah. And they even give you dates and like some places are only looking for sporadic dates. Maybe it's a week here every month or a week every other month. Other places, they're just the department's short. So then they say, hey, we need someone to fill in for this six months while we look for a permanent provider. And even some can you can be a locum to permanent. So you can transition. You go there kind of like a try it before you buy it. You go there. They like you. You like them. And then you can even sign a permanent contract. And then there's like a quote unquote finder's fee, I guess. 
for if you do sign a permanent contract somewhere, then the hospital obviously has to pay the company that found you and brought you there. So it's a whole big business. <laughs> totally. No, that makes sense. Did I just hear the dog get kenneled up in the background? Was that what I was hearing? Uh, no, she's playing with her toy and running. <laughs> now, now is the perfect time yeah. to play with the speaker ball. She's oh. been quiet all morning. <laughs> No, that, that's funny. So you guys start thinking like, okay, we can get an RV on the weekends and you're looking into different options. So you know that like being able to float around and do this is a, is a possibility. So when did it go from like, hey, this is something we can do on the weekends to maybe we can just transition and uproot everything to go live on the road? So when I started um, doing the locum tenens, I actually started part-time. So I dropped down to part-time at my full-time job and then kind of just tried it out. So I started working part-time locum. And when I started filling in at other hospitals, I was like, oh, I really like this. And and was that just because you were burned out? Like, is that why you transitioned to part-time? Like you were just insane hours? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yes. And burned out to the point where it's funny because I just started this. I mean, I just finished my fellowship in 2015. And literally six months into it, I was like, wow, wow. I mean, residency was hard. Fellowship was hard. I thought something would change. Not <laughs> Maybe not easier. Okay, maybe a little bit easier. Something <laughs> would change. And when I thought of 30 years of my life doing this, I was like, I love what I do. I love my patients. But I was just like, I didn't like the way things were being done to me. <laughs> and, so, and so I started, I dropped down to part time. And then I started doing this on the side. And after a couple months of doing it, I was like, I really, really enjoy this. And Ken even noticed he was like, wow, she's actually happy. And she's not complaining every day. And I mean, it got to the point at one point in time where I had to have, I created a no complain Thursday, because I was just <laughs> so frustrated and overwhelmed. And it was funny because one Thursday in our no complain Thursday, Kenny texts me at three 30 in the afternoon. And he's like, I haven't heard from you all day. I, like, <laughs> I know it's no complain Thursday. I have nothing to say. <laughs> it was getting that bad though, that it we was. had to make a day where she did not complain that I did not have to listen to, to complaining. So yeah, honestly, there was a no complaint Thursday. It was the one day that she was not allowed to complain about work. Yeah. Oh, and so wow. it, was the quietest, it was the quietest day of the week. Quietest day ever. <laughs> so then after trying it and liking it so much, I decided that I wanted to do that full time. So I started traveling away and coming back. I'd leave. I'd go work seven days and then I would come back and I was gone. Probably it was probably like nine day stretches that I was gone. And then I would come back for a week and then leave again for nine days. And after a little bit of that, we were like, well, this doesn't really solve yeah. the problem. We were yeah, trying this to solve. Is, this isn't working either. It was like now now we're barely seeing each other. It's even worse. But she was so happy. And I saw that she was happy. I was like, I'm so happy not seeing you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were so happy with your work now. Yes. I mean, you really enjoyed going because you like a challenge. And a lot of people would look at this and say, wow, this this sounds like it would be horrible that every time you're, you're basically starting a new job every Monday, you're going to a new hospital, new people, new systems. And people often say to you, that sounds absolutely horrible to start a new job every week. But you love it. You love, love the it. challenge I of it. I absolutely love it. And uh, and you like things being done on your own terms this way, that you have a lot of the control this way. And I saw how much she enjoyed it. And I was still at that time really enjoying my business, even though I did have that phone anxiety. I guess if that's such a thing, like every time my phone would ring for my work. That's definitely a thing. Yeah, I knew it was it was always something bad. My phone never rang for something good. <laughs> and I found myself I would have to change my ringer every so often because just the sound of the ringer would like make me jump. <laughs> but I still enjoyed it. I loved going around to the different locations and meeting people and talking with people. And 
all of it, the shopping, the restocking. I really did enjoy it, but she was just so happy that I was like, we, we can make a change. I think we need to make a change. And I was, I guess, kind of naive. I was like, I'll just sell, I'll just sell my business and, uh, I'll start traveling with you. We, you know, we will, we'll get, you know, we'll have the RV and we can just hop and, uh, hop in this RV and, and travel <laughs> together full time. And, you know, I'll just come up with something. I'm sure I'll be able to find work. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, I thought I, I would be able to do like work camping, but the, I think our first issue was that we found out that it's not that easy to sell a business. Like I thought, oh, we'll, we'll list in Craigslist. I'll, I'll put, you know, ads in the paper <laughs> and uh, people would come and I talked to them. I'd show them books and numbers that it was profitable, that it was making money. And, uh, and then we'd like talk about price and they'd be like, eh, I just don't. Yeah. So what I, I couldn't find anybody to buy it outright. Like I was trying to sell the name, the the vehicle, um, the routes, uh, the, the pretty much all of my contracts. Like I had uh, government contracts. I had I was in social service building, schools, and things like and that. Just out of curiosity, because I have no idea, yeah. like how much the like how much is a business like that making? Um, like with forty vendors and things like that, that you couldn't get somebody to kind of come in and and buy it. So in my fourth year, I was doing uh, between eighty to a hundred thousand in sales. Uh, half of that is profit. It's a, there's a good markup in, I guess, uh, you know, like soda and water and, and candy and, and chips like that. So, and there's very little overhead. It's just me and a, and a van. That's my, that's my overhead. <laughs> yeah. And, and so it seems like somebody should be able to come in, would want to come in and just like, you know, you mark that up for say three years of revenue or something and sell it for yeah. 250 grand. Yeah, I, I couldn't get somebody that I was practically to me anyway, I felt like I was just like giving it away. And what what wound up happening was I had to sell it in pieces. I couldn't. We lived in a like a small town, Roanoke, Virginia. It's a small city. I don't want to say it's a poor city, but nobody seemed to ever have money there. And I just couldn't find somebody that wanted <laughs> that wanted to buy the whole thing in one lump sum. So I actually wound up like breaking it up and selling it in like. 10 to 15 different little pieces, like, you know, different sections of the city be like, all right, well, I'll sell these four units together. They're relatively close to each other. I'll sell these four together. I'll sell this one social service building as like one unit. And towards the end of the year, like Sabrina had already finished out her contract and <laughs> she was like, we're ready to, I'm ready to go. And even when we got out of the apartment into the RV, I was still selling machines like i was like i can't believe i can't get people to buy these things and i wound up i think it towards just, the end yeah i, I gave like I, it was i was doing like a buy one get one yeah <laughs> I, like, I just got to get rid of these now at this point do you feel like that was like a learning lesson with a business like if you start something else like do you think you'll build it in a different way or like what do you feel like you took away from that process Ooh. I was gonna, I, I know he's looking I'm at looking me at because, because... <laughs> every time he does something, I'm usually the one that thwarts whatever he does yeah. and changes his whole plan for what to do. So <laughs> that's what Alyssa in myself. So I, I get it. He's probably scared to start anything because at one point in time, I might throw up my hands and be like, I'm done. Let's I'm go done, somewhere Let's else. get out of here. Yeah. So I, I, I know I would never start anything that had a physical presence to it anymore. Everything that I do now has to be, I feel anyway, digital, just because of our relationship and the way that Sabrina's uh, attitude towards things are. Which is which is funny because I, I vividly remember the last time we hung out at Winnebago's rally this summer, you pitched me on an idea that was like, 
pop-up campgrounds off of highways that are like glorified yeah. truck stops, but there's hookups and things like that, which is definitely a physical yeah. location. It's like a vending machine version of a campground. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. a ven- vending. Yep, and that that is, I know. Uh, but yeah, that's the way I pictured it. it. Was it was like a vending campground? <laughs> you know, no uh, kind of automated. You swipe a card and you get in and you pay uh, on a six-hour period. And then, you know, after whatever you paid for, you know, all the hookups shut off and things like that. And maybe one person on that property. I don't know. Something like that. That sounds pretty stationary. Yeah, it's pretty stationary. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, so you guys start coming up with this plan. You're going to live on the road. Uh, Kenny, you're selling your business in pieces. And Sabrina, it's like you're, you're getting these gigs across the country. And I did our first year on the road. I did Hourly America, which was our documentary where I worked a job in each state. And it was like basically, it was kind of, it was totally different because it was, I wasn't getting paid for any of these jobs and I was just showing up working for a day, sometimes a couple of days. And it was really challenging because it was like every day I show up, I have to learn everyone's names. I have to learn the business processes and I have to apprentice somebody to figure it out. And I just remember think like coming back at the end of those days, just feeling completely wiped. And I know you're doing a similar job, but I imagine like, there's a lot of it, like Kenny said, that it's a you're doing a first day job once every <laughs> other week, right? Yeah, yes, yes. One of the good things about it, though, is so the first day, it doesn't matter where I go. The first day at a new hospital always feels like quicksand. So that day I will usually it's guaranteed usually that I will come home late because some places I go to you go in the morning at eight o'clock. They start your computer training. They kind of give you a quick tour around and then they hand you a list of patients at like 1030 and they're like, here you go. And you don't know any of the nurses. You don't know your respiratory therapist. You don't know who the other services are in the hospital. So the first day is always like quicksand. Luckily, places that I've liked, I've actually gone back to. So then they can become like recurring places. Some of the places I've been going back to for the last year and a half. And so when I go back, it's just a matter of, oh, if there's a new face or if something's changed since I was there the last time, but it's similar to coming back to a regular job that you've been to. So I'll, I'll pop into certain places periodically and so that helps. That helps. But definitely the first the first day anytime is always it's pretty rough. I won't deny that it's pretty rough. <laughs> so there I mean, there were all those stigmas, like you said, of people who who do this kind of the way that you were doing it. Um, have you felt like people have looked at you differently because you're kind of coming in for a period of time? Or do you feel like when maybe when they get to know you and kind of realize that this was an intentional life decision, and you're not like a social awkward weirdo? that uh, they're cool with it. I mean, just like, I don't know, have you, how, how do you feel like that's played out? So I feel like it's been a hundred percent positive response everywhere I go. And I think it's, I think it all depends on you and what you do when you get there. Because definitely I think your personality, your work ethic and all of these things can change somebody's opinion of, of what they thought about this before you came along. Because even when I go some places now, they're like, oh, we love having you when you come. Will you sign a full time? Would you sign on full time here? But then they're like, oh, but the person who's coming after you, we're dreading it. So there's still I think it just depends on you and what you go there and do. So even if they have all these preconceived notions about you, you go in there, you're a personable person, you work hard, you care about your patients. You're not just trying to come in and leave and just do like the bare minimum and leave. I think it changes people's perception about it. I mean, I've gotten and I'm not bragging or anything, but I've gotten offers at the jobs I've been to temporarily for full-time positions, they're like, please consider us if you ever decide you want to quote unquote settle, settle down, which I hate that word settle because I would not settle <laughs> for too, yeah. I would, choose, I would choose to do it. Yeah. But, uh, 
<laughs> they offer and they're like, if you please know you have a quote unquote home here, please know you have a home here. You can always come back for a full time position if you'd like later. So I think it's just a matter of going in and just proving yourself to people. And that's it. You know? No, I love that. What What was it about going into places for shorter periods of time? Because I know based off our conversations that, you know, you still go in and work really long days, but it's almost more like sprints, I guess. Like you can come back and catch your breath in between these jobs. Is is that what makes it more sustainable for you? Or what was it that, you know, like is different versus like going in short term and doing the same work versus just being in one place? That's exactly it. Exactly what you're saying. So it's because it's sprints. So even when I'm working now, I'm usually doing 12, 13, 14 hours, seven day stretches. I've even done up to 12 day stretches of 12 hour shifts. So I've done where I I'm still working a ton of hours on the week I work, but then I know the week after I'm not working. And so possibly even two weeks, possibly after. even yeah. two weeks after it just depends on what's going on in the rest of our life or what we decide to do with our time. But that's what it is, is that you have that that break. Well, when I was at a stationary place, one week would just kind of trail into the next. It just seemed to never end. So even <laughs> on even on vacation weeks. So even if you left when I was at a stationary position, even when you left for vacation, if you didn't keep up on your inbox, because I mean, they're patients, they're people there are people who need things when you're gone. And so even if you weren't keeping up on your inbox while you were gone, you would come back to maybe 25, 30 messages. You'd come back to all of these results that have come back while you're gone for the week. So even when I was away on my weeks, on my week off, my four weeks a year off, I was still checking the computer. I was still signing in. I was still calling patients. Even when I was home on weekends, I was calling patients because if you didn't keep up with it on the days off, you would never keep up with it during the week and you would just always be behind. It's kind of like a clean break each time you go to yeah. a new place. Like they don't, there's no expectation that you're going to be managing all of the, that communication once you leave a place that you've only been for a week or two. Correct. Correct. That's a hundred percent correct. So usually what I'll do when I leave some is I'll sign into the computer maybe three to seven days after I leave just to tie up anything that maybe because sometimes the billing people will write you inquiries on your charts, or there might be something to co-sign, things of that nature that you do in a regular job. But then I'll just sign in like a week after just to make sure everything's tied up. And then after that, I'm complete. And that just takes like probably like 10 minutes to sign in and do that. And then I'm, I'm done when I'm done, I'm done. And that's the difference is when you're off, you're actually off, you're not, there's not still phone calls coming in. There's not still expectations for like research papers and projects and quality improvement and committees and all of these other things that are involved with being at a full-time stationary position. So I still work near full-time. It's, I wouldn't quite say it's, well, it's hard to say because <laughs> it's funny because before I wasn't really working 40 hours a week. So I was working over full-time, Yeah, right. but so I still work a lot of hours now. But at least when I'm done, I'm done. And, and, and I feel like the big difference, too, is that it's by your choice. You have Correct. the option to turn away as much work as you want Correct. or accept as much as you want. Correct. You can work 30 days a month if, if you, if you want wanted to. to. But I mean, right or you now, can work none. <laughs> where, where we're at now, she's doing she worked a week. She's off a week on off. And then you're going to take five weeks off and we're going to go drive out west and take a five week vacation for yeah. you. Yeah. I love that. So I imagine going from full time at a hospital, did you lose uh, health benefits? Was that like oh. an insurance? <laughs> oh, yes. So the interesting thing is before I started, I knew I was going to lose health benefits. And so we pay a ton for health insurance right now. But um, I actually applied for health insurance before I left because when I actually dropped to part time, the insurance became so expensive that it didn't make sense to me to continue to even get it through the hospital. So I had already gotten health insurance outside of my full-time job because it was just cheaper. 
when I had dropped to part-time. It just went up exponentially when I dropped to part-time. So I'd already done that. And then the other thing was disability insurance. So you don't have a full-time position, you're not employed. So then getting my specialty specific disability insurance is something that I pay for monthly now, which if I worked for a hospital, it would cover disability insurance. Life insurance, something I pay for outside of work, which most of the hospitals will cover like two times your salary for life insurance. So we don't have that. So I got life insurance outside of work. And then, then also putting aside, so you don't have a pension, you don't have a 401k, all these things that you have to do on your own, like any other independent contractor that you have to do on your own, not through a hospital. And then malpractice insurance is something that I actually don't pay for. Malpractice insurance is covered through the recruiting companies. They cover malpractice insurance. So that's taken care of. Gotcha. And I remember when we were having a conversation this summer, and hopefully it's okay that I share this, I remember you you saying that you actually make a pretty significant amount more per hour than you did previously. And that so, and then I would imagine that would combine with kind of quality of life that you guys have now kind of offsets having to deal with, you know, navigating through health insurance and some of these other things. Would you guys say that that would be accurate? I would, I would say that because (laughs) I would say that. So what they usually tell you, like if you Google it, usually they'll tell you, you'll make at least 30% more. Um, some, some sites will even tell you up to 50% more, and then it's funny because some of the recruiting companies, when you're like, hey, this site said this, and they're like, oh, that's just our marketing. And you're like, but okay. <laughs> but yeah, so you can expect to make at least like 30% more than you would if you were stationary. But then like you're saying, it offsets like the lifestyle, even though you have to pay for all of these insurances and all of these things that you wouldn't have to pay for at a full-time job, just the lifestyle and the freedom seems worth it to me. The other thing is for taxes, because you're an independent contractor, you're actually pay. I think it's, is it the social security tax, but you're paying both sides of it. So normally your employer would pay half and you'd pay half as an independent contractor, you're paying both sides of it. So there's all these other costs that come along that you don't really think about when you're actually setting out to do it. But I think just having the freedom and being able to make your own decisions and live your life the way you want to is worth all of those things. Totally. And did you have any co-workers who are like, you're going to do what in an RV? Oh, oh yeah. definitely. Oh, definitely. They thought I was insane. They still do. They, they still do. They're like, when are you going to be done? You do want a house, <laughs> right? Like you want a white picket fence. Like you want a real car. What I just, I just imagine it's such a foreign concept. Like you're the only doctor I know that travels full time in RV. And I'm, maybe there are some other ones too, but it's like you go to school for a long time so you can you know, help people. And obviously a part of that is, you know, making good money. So it's like, well, I'm going to do all of that. And then I'm going to move into a trailer. So it's, it's not, the, <laughs> it's not the traditional trajectory path that most people imagine. I I, I presume. It's so true. It's funny. Cause my mom, that was like her first response when we told her we were going to do this. She's like, you went to school for 15 years to live in a trailer. <laughs> that was her exact words when we told her we were going to do Welcome this. Welcome to 2018. It, it's so yeah. true. And it's definitely, It's definitely true. I mean, even when I meet people along the way, even when I meet other doctors, they're like, oh, but you don't have kids, right? And I'm like, no, I don't have kids. They're like, that's why you can do that. Oh, but you, there's always like a reason. I was like, oh, but we know people with children that do do this. We know people with disabilities that are doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just different. It's a very foreign concept. It's a very foreign concept. And just being on the move all the time is a very foreign concept for most people. But but they all they're all like, oh, that is so exciting. That's so cool. But I would never do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that that totally makes sense. So you guys get on the road, you buy your RV uh, and you start in a, like you're starting to get gigs and you guys are going to like drive to different hospitals and do those whenever they come up. Right. That's kind of the, the typical process. Yeah. Yep. 
we know this, her schedule usually about three months in advance. So we know where we're headed, uh, you know, in, with, with about three months. Gotcha. And Kenny, you're kind of like, you sold like your business and broke it up and, and, and parts and kind of did that. What were you kind of imagining life on the road was going to look like? I mean, you're kind of in this phase, you were in this phase of kind of reinventing what you wanted to do. So like what made you excited and what were you wanting to, to focus on, on the road? So I, I really thought that I would be doing uh, work camping because I before I had the vending company, I did 13 years in construction and I, I enjoy working with my hands. I like fixing things and I like meeting new people and all that. And I, when I read about, you know, work camping, I was like, that kind of falls into all those things. You know, I'll, I'll meet new people as they come in. I'll help people set up their site. I'll be doing the repairs. And uh, I was like, oh, that'll be that'll be perfect. But I didn't realize that we would be moving so often, like we move every five to seven days. And I say that we know where we're going to be in like three months in advance, but it change it changes often. Like Sabrina will get a call from a recruiter and they'll be like, Hey, uh, Dr. Campbell, we need you in uh such and such place. Can you change your schedule around and, and come up here for three days? And we usually say yes. <laughs> right. Well, they'll change the, uh, so the recruiting companies, the hospitals can actually cancel me 30 days is 30 days notice and they can cancel me and I can cancel them 30 days notice. So there's always a potential that they could hire a permanent person and say, we don't need you anymore. And so that's always a possibility. And it has happened. It definitely has happened. But um, yeah, just something you kind of. Yeah. With. So it didn't seem like the work camping was going to work out because I, I actually didn't go too far into it, but it didn't seem like anybody wanted somebody for just few days. days. Yeah. Yeah. They, they <laughs> wanted you there for a season. a season or at least a month. And I was like, wow, this isn't working. <laughs> it's not working out the way I, I had planned I, at, at least in the beginning, you know, because Sabrina and I had no RVing experience or anything like that. And we didn't know what we were doing. I did spend a lot of time just trying to figure out how to RV and take care of the RV and, you know, set up it. Everything took, you know, four times longer than it did now. But and I was driving a lot, too. We did something like 30 some thousand miles in our first year. So I always felt like the most important job I could do was get Sabrina to work safely, kind of. <laughs> yeah, and, totally. <laughs> so then but then I also wanted to do more. And I, I went to school uh, with the NRVIA to be a certified RV inspector. And I thought at first I was doing it just so that we could kind of take care of our RV. And then I thought, you know, I could make a business out of this. I could in do RV inspections for people. And uh, that didn't work out again because we just moved so often. Like I would find people that would need an inspection, but they weren't in the city that we were in at the time or the city that we were going to. And it's not like Sabrina's job where it can rationalize like a drive across the country, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not worth it. Yeah. It, yeah so the timing for that never worked out. And I'm not sorry that I did the class um, and got the certification and everything because I think we both agree that the class has helped me take care of our own RV and has saved really us nice. tons of money and time. Actually, more time than money, I would say, is more kind of more important. The time spent keeping the RV out of a shop and more stuff that I can do like on my own, I think, has been more valuable than what it would the, the cost would be. I agree because everybody I mean, everybody who's RVing knows that it's just a lot to coordinate repairs. And when they have it, we're trying to explain to them. No, but really, we live we in live there. In it. Like... We need it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys you guys can't hold on to it for a month. What are we? <laughs> so I think that has become uh, pretty important. And then I just got really, really lucky. I mean, this honestly fell in my lap. 
you know, what I do now as far as working with with Winnebago Life is that we were at the Winnebago rally and we met James and Steph from the Fit RV and on a bike ride. And uh, Steph was like, oh, I really I like you guys. I like your your personality. I, I want to introduce you to Don Cohen. He's the uh, chief editor of, of Winnebago Life. He's like, I think he's on really like you guys. And maybe, uh, Kenny, you can you can start writing blogs. And I was like and I was really hesitant about it because I was <laughs> like, I haven't written anything since high school. Like, I just don't you know. I have no experience with it. I don't write anything. And Sabrina was the one that pushed me into it. She's like. You're you're writing about your own life, your own experiences, and you're writing it in English. You'll be okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sabrina was really the one that pushed me into it. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And man, I, it, it's you opened up. It. Yeah, I love it. I love everything that we've been doing, and it's grown into more stuff with Winnebago. And um, I have been enjoying writing the stories a lot. I, I really enjoy it. I think it's been really cool to see. There's a lot of, I mean, I've had a lot of, quite a few people on the podcast who are contributors and they'll do some writing for maybe an RV company or video work or something. But I think one thing that this industry does really well is it rewards and also tries to hire within the industry. And I don't know if every place is like that. Like I'm trying to think of an example that is not, I'm not popping up, but it's like a lot of RV companies, at least in my interactions, like if there's services or vendors that they want to find, a lot of times they'll try to find people who are actually in the products and using them. Yeah. Um, so I think that's one thing that uh, in the RV industry has done pretty well, specifically like Winnebago has done a great job, I think, of trying to identify people who are actually using their products and making their lives better and and finding ways to help improve that product and and carry out things like the blog or whatever. Yeah, I think it. I I have to agree totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I think that's a good point, point. and it has opened up more doors for us too. Like like Winnebago has helped us get more recognition with our YouTube channel or what? Nothing. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, so you said something, but yeah, I mean uh, they've brought you know viewers onto our channel, and I, I think and working with other companies, it's helped with that. Oh yeah, and working with other companies. Um, Battleborn batteries and SnapPad, and I, I think all that stemmed from working with Winnebago Life. That's awesome. And talk to me about that first year on the road. So, how long have you you guys been on the road now for two almost two years? It's been a year and a half. Year and uh, a half. May May or April will be two years. Sabrina probably knows the exact the, the exact date and time. <laughs> and time, funny. <laughs> but yeah, it's been it's been a year and a half. So the first year uh, was just I think everything was good. It still is exciting, but I think everything that first year was uh, new and exciting. We pull into a, <laughs> a campground, and I remember like the one of the first campgrounds we went to, and we never seen this type of spigot before. I couldn't attach the water to the, and I still don't know why I couldn't. But I needed <laughs> the, the camp hose to come over. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I I've had garden hoses and homes before, <laughs> but I cannot attach this water hose to this spigot. And he's like, oh, yeah, ours are a little different. I'm like, different how? And when he did it, I still don't know what he did. And I've never seen it ever again. <laughs> but it just didn't screw on like a normal hose would. I, I still don't know what the guy did. But that was at a state park in Virginia, I think. But, um, yeah, everything was just exciting, I feel like. Um, stressful, maybe. Sometimes, like, Sabrina would be like, all right, we went too small with an RV. Because originally we were looking at 40-footers. And now we're under you know, we, we decided to purchase under 30 foot because we wanted to get into every national park there is across the country, which we have not been to one yet. That doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. 
but yeah, that was our plan. It's, so, it's a good intention. I mean, there, yeah. So there were days of, I mean, especially in the very beginning that, you know, Sabrina would be just like, I was frustrated quite a very bit. In the frustrated. Beginning. So before we started this, I had said, we're going to give it six months. If I don't like it, we're done. If I don't like it, you like that? <laughs> then we're done. <laughs> Kenny said you had to give it at least a year. If we're going to go out and do this, we need to give it at least a year. I'm telling you those first few months, first of all, I kind of bump into things and I'm kind of tripping over things normally. I won't use the word clumsy, clumsy. that Kenny likes to use, but I banged into so many parts of this RV. I mean, the first weekend we had this RV, I sliced my finger open in the shower and needed to get mm. a tetanus shot from the edge of the... I was cleaning the, the shower and I needed to go get like a tetanus shot after that. Um, <laughs> banged into slides, slides, hit my head into slides, banged my elbows in the shower. I was like, Kenny, this is not going to work. <laughs> so the first, there was a little bit of an adjustment. It's a good period. thing we I set up that first year <laughs> as a requirement. <laughs> There was a bit of an adjustment period, but after that, it's been fun. Yeah, after that, it, you kind of ran into less. I mean, I we you know we've been on the road for a long time, and it's like I don't think I will ever not hit my head on stuff. I just like and not <laughs> and not just hit my head. Like this uh, this year, it was either in Canada or in New Zealand. Like I hit my head so hard that I had curled up in the fetal position and just like oh. laid there. I, I mean, just because I'm just the wall hasn't moved, I just forget. That, that's what I say to Sabrina all the time. And like to make her feel better, like she'll walk into our kitchen counter every once in a while. And I'll say to her, you know what? Yesterday I did move that out a little bit <laughs> just to make her feel better. It's like bit. it's like Jim on the office when you're kind of like moving the desk like five, in, like a couple just, centimeters a day. <laughs> just to mess with her. Yeah, I love it. Well, last question I have for you guys is yeah. and I ask this every episode is like as you're traveling around right now, Kenny, you have a new podcast. You're y'all are doing yeah. YouTube together. And Sabrina, you're still bouncing around and taking different gigs across the country. How do you guys define success in what y'all are doing in this new life? Can I answer that one? Sure. You want to answer that? So for, for me, <laughs> I need permission first before I answer. So for me, I define success as how much can I get Sabrina to laugh and smile throughout the day, throughout the month, the year and everything. The more she, the, the happier she is the more successful I feel like we are huge brownie points, man. That was a great, that was the best. I think that was the best answer I've ever had. Yeah. Jeez. You can't follow that one up. He just said it's the best answer. Sabrina was going to be like, I define success by how many awesome cheeseburgers I can have. No, I'm kidding. I don't even know if you eat meat. I guess I would define success as when, we're together and we're relaxed and I'm sitting there and I just take that deep breath in and sigh. And I'm like, this is a really good day. This is a <laughs> really good day. I think that's how I define success, that we're making our own our own decisions about everything, taking our own path, even though it's a little different. And when we're happy, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I do feel like we're making our own rules, kind of, sort of, instead of people telling us where we need to be and what to do and stuff like that. I think that I think that's all part of it, too. I think the more independence we feel like we have, the more successful maybe we are. Yeah. I love that. Well, where's a good place for people to connect with you guys online? Uh, probably our YouTube channel. We kind of use our YouTube channel as our website. It's kind of our hub to find out everything else that we're doing. That's moving forward adventures. Although we kind of just had to add the adventures onto the end of it. Most of our videos are really just us sitting in our dinette talking. You're not going to see, <laughs> you're not going to see too much adventure, but moving forward was kind of already taken. It was hard to find. <laughs> <laughs> so we we're like, Oh, we'll just throw adventures on at the end there. And 
<laughs> I love it. And you just launched a podcast called Behind the Wheel Podcast where you're interviewing kind of founders and people who are doing cool, innovative things uh, in the RV industry. So like cool products like snap pads, which I have heard you talk about, just kind of talking about how they're solving different needs in this industry, right? Yeah, it's uh, beyond the wheel. Beyond the wheel. Uh, I'm so sorry. No, you're fine. Behind the wheel was taken too, but... <laughs> <laughs> That's how you figure out That's your a, names? Yeah, whatever's not, whatever's not taken. Yeah, so it is. It's uh, beyond the wheel. And just like you said, we're, we're interviewing uh, companies, people, and services. Uh, we try to get, like, make me presidents and owners of companies. And anybody that's trying to make RVing more fun or easier... We, that's the people that we're trying to trying to talk to people that are trying to make changes for the better in the RV industry. That's been a lot of fun, too. And I always you know, when people say to me, you know, what do you do for work? It's it's very hard for me to come up with an answer a lot of the times because everything that I'm doing now, I guess, could be categorized as work. But I enjoy it so much. And it's so, so much fun that it's hard to say, well, this is what I do for work. And you know, I get paid for it. So, so I, I'm not allowed to change anything. That's the plan. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> That's you're, not what I've been told. you're not allowed to change what? What do you mean? Anything we're doing. I'm not allowed to change my mind. We got to stay on this path for, you know, maybe, maybe at the two year mark, I got to tell her that we got to do this for another year still. That's funny. I think as long as you keep hooking her up with trips to Disney in, um, in, in luxury oh. RVs, she'll probably be okay. There you go. I like it. That's how we define success. How how long of a stint can we stay at Disney World property for? <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you guys so much for, for coming on the podcast and, and sharing your story. It's great talking to you guys. Thanks, Eve. Thanks, we <laughs> we nice had a great time. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for listening to that episode with Kenny and Sabrina. Make sure to go give them some love on YouTube at Moving Forward Adventures and say what's up to them. Tell them you enjoyed hearing about their story on the podcast. It was fun to have a doctor on the show because I've I've heard so many people who uh, do the travel and nursing thing, you know, go from place to place for six weeks at a time. And I feel like it's fairly common. We've come across a lot of friends who who do that from the road and they enjoy it. They go from place to place. But Sabrina was my first person to come across who was a uh, an actual doctor who was doing that bouncing around in an RV. So it was kind of cool to be able to hear that perspective from her and how they've been able to make this work. So Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this episode again, and I'll see you all next time on the RV Entrepreneur Podcast.